Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. trusting Jesus more today because we're going to be in John chapter 15. We're going to talk about the vine and the branches. John chapter 15. Remember last time we were here, last week we were talking about trusting Him more too because this whole section is about trusting Jesus. He's going to be gone but He says you can keep trusting me just as if He was right here with us because He is right here with us, isn't He? He's right here in the form of the Holy Spirit. And so He tells His disciples, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And He kind of finishes up the chapter saying basically the same thing. My peace I give you, my peace I leave you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so as we get to chapter 15 today, we're going to see Jesus talking about our relationship to Him. And Jesus says here that He is the true vine. And so let's talk about that a minute, Dave. I'm going to read about the first five or six verses, and I doubt we'll get that far, but we'll read them anyway. John chapter 15, verse 1 through 6. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing if anyone does not abide in me he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned I want you to notice and as we keep going through this chapter at least through the first 11 verses the key word is really abide and the word abide means to remain to stay to continue And what it means is to have a close relationship with Jesus Christ. Those that know Jesus Christ, in two senses, there's kind of two different sides to that. Those that have a relationship with Jesus Christ, number one, they're going to abide because, number one, they will stay, they will continue, they will continue to be a part of Jesus because they are true believers. But then there's also the position, the 
the practical side to it that says that we need to draw close to Him and He'll draw close to us. Because we got to understand that we'll see as we look at the characters today that all of our resources, all of our strength, everything that we are, all that we have and we move and live and breathe, everything we have in life comes from the fact comes from the fact that Jesus is our source of everything. We have been made partakers of the divine nature and the Bible tells us that we have everything we need for life and godliness. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 and 4. And so let's look at the characters in this section today. First of all, there's the vine, there's the vine dresser, and then there's a branch that bears fruit, and then there's a branch that doesn't bear fruit. And so let's look at these and we'll talk about that just for a minute. The first thing I want to talk about is a little bit about the background. Because, see, in the Old Testament, Isaiah spoke of Israel being the vine and, and Jesus had, God had planted the vine and, and guess what? The vine did not do what it was supposed to do. It became a wild vine and it, it, it made wild grapes. In other words, Israel was supposed to be to the world that group that brought people to Jesus Christ. They were to be the source of, of what God wanted to do in the world. It, it, they were supposed to let others know, you know, Jesus is the way, He's the truth and the life, and come to God. But no, instead, what did they do? They rebelled. They, they chased other gods. They did all kinds of things. And they became a wild grapevine. They became something. And as we read through the section, we'll see lots of illustrations. And this is one of those sections of Scripture that as we look at it today, it, it, you know, people have difficulties with it. And there's so many different interpretations. But if you look at it, some people want to say that this passage says you can lose your salvation. But we'll prove that's not true today. Jesus says that the vine was Israel, but He says they were just a symbol of what He was. He is the true source of all spiritual life, all our resources. In Him we have all our being. We move and live and breathe. In Him we have everything. We are made partakers of the divine nature. And like I said, we have everything that we need for life and godliness. Jesus comes in and says, I am the true vine. This is the last of the I am statements. Every time Jesus says, I am, He's speaking of He is God, right? And we've said that several times. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the true bread. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And all these different things. And here is the last one. He says, I am the true vine. And then He says, My Father is the vine dresser. So Jesus is the source of all our strength, all our wisdom, everything that we need for life. It all comes from Jesus, right? We need to realize that if we're not depending on Jesus for life and for everything that we need, then guess what? We're in bad place 
because Jesus is the one that gives us everything we need for this life. And so Jesus said, I am the true vine. And then He says, My Father is the vine dresser. So what is the job of the vine dresser? The vine dresser prunes the vine. He trims off the dead wood. He gets rid of the stuff that's not producing. And He continues to work on it. I guess I was listening to a couple of people and they said that over in Israel or some of these great vineyards, that what they'll do is some people will train for two or three years before they actually turn them loose on their own on the how to prune the vines, which way to cut it, what angle, and the whole nine yards because if you don't cut it just right, you can ruin the whole vine. And sometimes, you know, when you look at these, these great these vineyards, when you look at them on TV and if you see them before they uh, are the growing season, what do you see? Just a big old dead looking stump, right? They look like nothing. There's nothing on them because they've cut everything back because that's what they need to do for it to produce like it's supposed to. He says that the father is the vine dresser. He's the one that does the pruning. He does the cutting. And in, in reference to believers, that has to do with us being pruned and, and chastised and worked on. And we'll talk a little bit more about that because he says, notice what he says in verse 2. He says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So I want you to notice, first of all, he says, every, ver- every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And so some people are concerned about this chapter because they say they think that because of this, some people have said you can lose your salvation. But you cannot lose your salvation. The Bible tells us there's about 150 verses in the Bible that say that if you're a true believer, there's no way you can ever lose your salvation. If you have trusted Jesus Christ and you've truly trusted Him, there's nothing anybody can do to take it away from you, right? What does John 10.28 says that, that, I, that you are in me and I am in the Father's hand and nobody can snatch you out of my hand because the Father and I are one. Nobody's greater than God, right? So how can anybody snatch you out of His hand? He tells us in, John, in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to 38, he says that basically, he says nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And many other places, I mean, the Bible says, remember we've been talking about eternal life when he gets to John 17, he says, this is eternal life that you know the true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. So eternal life is not a place, but it's in a person, right? Jesus Christ is the person we get salvation from. And if we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we don't have to worry about losing our salvation. If we know that there was a time and that we trusted Christ, and at that point we have continued to trust Christ. See that word believe in John when he says, whoever believes, you know, God so loved the world that he did what? 
sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life, right? That word believes means a past action with a continuing result. I used to believe, I am believing, and I continue to believe. So nothing changes. You know, some people will say they believe, but guess what? They don't really believe because somewhere along the line they walk off from the Lord. And so he says, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So the, you know, the really the key here is the bearing fruit. And I want to read y'all a few verses because guess what? He says, every branch bears fruit. Every branch that doesn't bear fruit, the Father takes away. Basically, what happens is some people want to interpret this different ways, but basically what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, if you're a true Christian, you'll bear good fruit. Matthew 7, 16, I just want to read this. This is a fairly long section, but, but I think it's worth reading because it really makes a point that when we look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 16 through the about the end right there, he says, You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So he's going to talk about throwing in the fire in verse 6 in John chapter 15. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Now, let's stop for a second. What is fruits? Fruit is spiritual growth. It is converts. It is leading people to Christ. Jesus said, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. It is growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is becoming Christ-like. And so he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Verse 22, not many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. There's that know you again. Remember he said, true life is to know God, true God, Jesus Christ whom he sent. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. In other words, those who live wrong all the time, they practice lawlessness. And John will define in the book of 1 John what is lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. The determining factor is that they're practicing it, right? That's the way they live. They're always living for themselves. They're always doing wrong. And he says, Therefore, who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that rock, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. 
Now, the rock is Jesus. If you look through the Bible, the, the rock is Jesus. And he basically says that it, every branch that bears fruit, he's going to prune. Every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he's going to cut off. And if we look at verse 6 in John 15, he says that he's going to throw it in the fire. What is the fire? I believe it's hell. If you look in Mark chapter 4, y'all remember the parable of the souls and the seeds? And I'm not going to read that whole section today, but in the parable of the souls and the seeds, one just never hears the Word. It says the devil came along and took the Word of God and they never heard it, they never believed it, didn't want to. But then it says that one stayed for a little while and then he left because of the persecution for the Word's sake. So in other words, they walk off from the Lord because they're being persecuted for the Lord. That means they're not really truly saved. Then there was one that left because it says they, they cared more about the cares of this life and the riches of this life than they did the Lord. And then the last one says they bore fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And if you look at back at John 15, he's going to say, say that there's fruit, there's more fruit, there's much fruit. And, and the, the whole reason we here as, are here as believers, if we've trusted Jesus Christ, is to bear fruit, to see people saved, to become Christ-like. Isn't that what Romans chapter 8, 29, 8 verse 29 says? It says that we are made to be conformed to His image. The reason God saves us, the reason God changes us, is to make us like Him, right? I mean, that's the whole purpose of becoming a Christian is to go to heaven and to become Christ-like because basically what we're doing is getting back to the Garden of Eden, right? I mean, what happened in the fall? They turned on God, they turned away from God, and they became... They went away from God, right? Well, when you trust Christ, instead of running away from God, you run to God, right? And you become more like God. And so that is the whole purpose, really. I mean, ultimately, it's because it, God gets the glory out of it. But, this, but the secondary purpose is that we'd be made like Christ. I want to read you a couple of more sections. And I know this is a little difficult this morning, but... But what he talks about here in Romans chapter 11, verse 17, he talks about the branches being broken off. And he's talking about Israel. And he said, if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. In other words, no root, no fruit, right? I mean, if you cut a branch off the tree, stick it in the ground, unless it happens to root, it's not going to do anything, right? And he says, You say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief you were broken off and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear, for if God did not spare the natural branches... He may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God on those who fail. Severity, but towards you goodness if you continue in His goodness. Otherwise, you will be 
cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. And so really what John's talking here, if we look at all these sections of Scripture and verses, and we could have read a whole bunch more, but basically, I hope I didn't lose y'all, but what John is trying to say here, that every branch, even though he says, in me, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And when he says takes away, what does he say in verse 6? If anyone does not abide me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and they throw them into fire, and they are burned. I really believe that's talking about hell. The Bible says that every believer, every person that knows Christ, if you look at their life, you're going to see a difference in their life. You will see some fruit. You will see some Christ-likeness. You will see a difference in their life because they know Christ. This is just a fact of life. Now, some people today try to say, well, you know, that you can be saved and not change. But you know what the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17? It says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation The old things are passed away. All things have become new. And so if you're a new creation in Christ, do you live the same way? It says the old things are gone. So if you used to live wrong and and all things are new and the old ways are gone, does that mean your life's changed? Absolutely. I know this is a little deep this morning, but what John says is that the people, there's people in church that look like they're saved, They've walked an aisle, they've said a prayer maybe, they've been in church maybe even all their life. But they have never come to the place where they said, God, I realize I can't make it to heaven on my own. I realize that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. I want to trust in Him because I believe when He died on that cross, He died in my place. He said He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father but by Him. That He is the only way to make it to heaven. And I have put my trust in Him and Him alone. I'm not trusting in Him plus baptism. Him plus communion. Him plus good works. Him plus church membership. The Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father but by me. And the Bible tells us also in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, He says, For you are saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are God's workmanship created to do good works. We're not saved by good works, but what you know what the Bible says? If we're saved, we will do good works, right? That's what the Bible says. John says these people that look like it, 1 John chapter 2, verse 19 to me is really the definitive verse. Because in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, really the whole book of 1 John, guess who it was written by? The Apostle John, right? The same guy that wrote the book of John, and he uses that word abide over and over and over again in there. But what he says is they went out from us because they were not of us. If they would have been of us, in other words, they'd have truly been saved, they would have no doubt remained with us. 
but they went out that it might be made manifest that they were never of us. I mean, I'm not going to ask, but I'll ask the question. Don't raise your hand or anything. But how many of y'all have known somebody in the church that looked like they were a church member, looked like they were a good church member, a good Christian, and then all of a sudden one day they just fell off the deep end. Maybe they left their wife, left their husband. They went out and just lived like a total pagan. Probably all of us know somebody like that. And you know what that means? It means no matter how long they were in the church, no matter whatever they did, what it looked like, if they didn't ever come back to the Lord, then they were never really a believer. That's what the Bible says. Because the Bible says that if we're truly saved, that we will continue to be what God wants us to be. And if not, He'll just take us out of this world. (laughs) Because 1 Corinthians 5 talks about that, uh, actually it's 1 Corinthians 11 where he talks about the Lord's Supper and he said, if you will not judge yourself, God will judge you. Some are sick and some are weak and some have died because they were been disciplined by the Lord. And it tells you in 1 John chapter 5, I think it's verse 6, that there or 16, there is a sin under death that some people can continue to live in a certain direction and if they're believers God will just take them out of this world now they don't go to hell but you know what happens they just go to heaven a little earlier and you know what happens when they go to heaven a little bit earlier they lose all the things that God wanted to do for them and do through them and use them for here on earth the good news is they went to heaven you can go look in 1 Corinthians 5 where it talks about the man who was sleeping with his, with his daddy's wife. I guess it was his stepmother. And he says, kick this man out of the church. And if he's really truly saved, he says, I, I, I'll discipline him. And he says that his works will be burned up, but he will be saved so as through fire. The Bible tells us over and over and over again that if we live right, we know about Hebrews 12 too, don't we? Chapter 5. I mean, chapter 12, verse 5 through about 11, he talks about it. What son does not get chastised? I mean, when your child does wrong, what happens? You whip them, right? Well, you know what? When we do wrong, God whips on us too. I heard one man say it this way, that God deals with his children on a cash basis unbelievers he deals with on a credit basis because it says that they're storing up wrath in the day of wrath. That one day they'll have to pay for all the wrong things that they've done. They might look like they're getting away with it now. But you go read Psalm 73, it says, and then I saw their end. And I realized that they're not getting away with anything. The people who are not living for the Lord, they look like they're getting it all now. But it's like the old Midas commercial. You can pay me now or you can pay me later. If you don't pay God now and trust in Him and believe in Him and live for Him and give up, deny yourself, follow Him, you have to pay for eternity. But if you trust in Him, everything that you've given up in this life, He says, I just read it this morning in, in Mark. He says you'll, He'll restore a hundredfold everything that you give up, everything that you've lost. What John is trying to tell us is that every branch of me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. He's going to take away those branches 
that don't bear fruit because the Bible says that they are not real. I mean, a dead branch on your tree is just ugly, right? All it does is cause problems for the rest of the tree. What happens when you got a dead branch on your tree? You got woodpeckers, insects, all kinds of stuff get into it, and then your whole tree could die, right? Well, what happens when you got a bunch of unbelievers in a church? When you got a bunch of unbelievers who are in a church causing problems? It causes problems for the whole church, doesn't it? You know, that's why in some of these churches we have we have so many problems because in a lot of these churches that have seemed like they have problem after problem after problem, it's because there's so many unbelievers. They're causing problems. Now, the statistics say, this is what Billy Graham said. This is Marty McKenzie, but Billy Graham said that if the rapture were to occur, you know, when Jesus Christ comes back for his people, which could happen any second, and he takes up the believers and the world goes into the seven-year tribulation, the hard times, he said if Jesus were to come back and his people were to disappear, go be caught up with him in the air, it happened to happen during the church service times that only about 28% of the people in the churches would actually go to heaven. He believes that 72% of the people in churches are probably not really saved because in Matthew chapter 7, he says, Straight is the way, and narrow is the way, and few there be that find it. That's why we have to be diligent to make sure that we've trusted in Jesus Christ. We're not trusting in works. We're not trusting in anything else to get us into heaven. But I've trusted in Christ, in Christ alone. Church membership won't get you there. Communion won't get you there. Baptism won't get you there. Good works won't get you there. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father but by me. Does that mean anything else? No. No one gets there but by me. That means all these other things are just, they mean absolutely nothing. But you know what man has done? Man has decided, well, if I, that we're so proud as people. We think there's something we can do to get into heaven. But Jesus says there's nothing we can do to get into heaven except for trust in Him. I read this morning in Mark again, and he was talking about it was hard for a rich man to get into heaven. It was harder for a rich man to get into heaven than for, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And he's talking about literally an eye of a needle. A camel cannot go through the eye of a needle, that's for sure. And he says, well, what then? Sounds like who then can be saved? And Jesus said, with men, it is impossible. In other words, man can't do anything to save himself. But he said, with God, all things are possible. All things. So you know what? If you don't know Christ, I hope everybody here does. I hope one day when we all go to heaven, that we'll all be there. And I'll see all of y'all and we'll be up there. But if you're not trusting in Christ and Christ alone, you're not going to make it, folks. I'm telling you. That's one of the reasons I come over here is because I want everybody to know that Jesus is the only way. That's not my word. That's what this Bible says. You go and search the Scriptures and see if these things be so. It's true. I try to teach only what the Bible says. I don't want to teach you anything that the Bible doesn't say. 
But Jesus said it. He said, I am the only way to get to heaven. And you can't get up any other way. He said another spot, all else, all others who try to get up another way are thieves and robbers. And you can't get there on your own. So if you haven't trusted Him, cry out to Him today and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I can't make it to heaven on my own. I want to go to heaven because I believe. And when Jesus died on that cross, He died for my sins. He was buried. And He rose on the third day so that I could go to heaven. And you tell Him that. And if you really believe it and you really mean it, the Bible says, whoever calls on His name, whoever calls on His name, if you really mean it, really believe it, shall be saved. Not might be, not hope so. That's why you go back to John 3.16 that says, Whoever believes in Him shall be saved. Not might be, not hope so. Not if you believe on Him and get baptized. Not if you believe in Him and take communion. Not if you believe in Him and join the church. Not if you believe on Him and do good works. But whoever believes on Him shall be saved. Well, let's pray and close. Father, we love you. We thank you. I know this was a tough message. It was tough to preach. It's hard things to hear. Lord, but I pray that each and every person here, if they were to die today, that they would know that they know that they know that they were going to heaven today because they have put their trust in you and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have given them confirmation, as it says in Romans 8. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That we are victors, we are conquerors, that your spirit speaks to our spirit and says that we belong to you. So Father, speak to hearts today and if there's one that doesn't know you, let them know so they can cry out and be saved. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington, Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 8, 32.